mean, I was, there were three days there, I, I nearly died. And I've heard people say, when you have an experience like that, it really defines life. And it, it's true. I, it's, every day is a gift. And I'm thinking, I can do this, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it as long as I can. And I feel blessed to be able to do it. I really do. And to look enough like Lincoln to present Lincoln <laughs> is even a icing on the cake. Welcome to Drinking with Lincoln from WNIJ, where we explore Abraham Lincoln's life, land, and legacy through the eyes of the people who know him best, Lincoln presenters. Each episode, we'll learn a little about Lincoln's life, and then I'll sit down with our guest for a drink, maybe two, and get their take on America's most popular president. I'll also learn about the presenters themselves, where they come from, why they do what they do, what makes them Lincoln. I'm your host, Clint Cargow. I like drinking, and I like Lincoln, so this show combines two of my favorite things. Today's guest, Lincoln, is Rick Odie. And I've been uh, really kind of amazed at the number of adults that they like to get themselves out of the moment just for a minute. Some of the uh, biker types and what, I, I need a picture with Abe Lincoln. and uh, <laughs> So it's fun. I, I enjoy it. When I first heard about Rick Odie, I found out he is a veteran who loves helping other veterans. And one way he helps other veterans is through the Greater Peoria Honor Flights program. Honor Flights send veterans free of charge on a day trip to Washington, D.C. to visit the memorials. It's a big operation, put together by a lot of dedicated people who volunteer their time. So not only does Rick Odie help with coordinating these flights, but he is there at the airport as Lincoln to greet the veterans when they return home. I thought this was awesome. So my multimedia guy Spencer and I were going to drive down for the next flight at the end of April, to catch Rick in action. But as you can imagine, along comes the coronavirus, and the April flight is canceled. Rick is disappointed because honor flights are a big deal for everyone involved. The veterans, their families, the volunteers. They bring out as many as 2,000 people to welcome the veterans home. Also, Rick was planning something special for this particular homecoming, introducing a new living history presenter he's been working with lately. More on her in a moment. But we made the best of a bad situation and drove down to see Rick early. He gave us a great tour of his hometown, Tremont, Illinois, which has some pretty strong ties to Abraham Lincoln. And, fortunately, we did it just a few days before the whole state went into lockdown. So we've got a town that's rich in Lincoln history, a veteran-loving volunteer Lincoln who's relatively new to the job, and a co-presenter who performs with Lincoln. Mary Lincoln, you ask? No. Rick is the only Lincoln I've ever met who performs with a Grace Bedell. You Lincoln lovers probably recognize that name, but if not, You're going to learn about her from just about the most adorable little history presenter you'll ever meet. Oh, and I forgot to mention, did you know that Lincoln was once challenged to a duel and that he accepted that challenge? Yeah, that story ties into Tremont too. So let's learn about all that and more on this episode of Drinking with Lincoln. Abraham Rick Odie is on the board of the Tremont History Museum. So that's where he meets us. And the first thing you notice about Rick, as you would notice with any good Lincoln presenter, is that he's very tall. He's actually six foot four, the same height as Lincoln. And then, of course, there's the hat, which makes him loom even larger. He's got the look down, which is why just last year he was named Best Lincoln at the Lincoln Days Celebration in Hodgenville, Kentucky. But enough about his looks. Rick is a bit of an expert on Tremont history, so he dives right in. Tremont was county seat from 1836 to 1850, and it moved to Pekin, Illinois, and it is presently there. 
and President Lincoln was here and uh, tried many, many cases at the courthouse here. Tremont was on the 8th Judicial Circuit, so Lincoln would make his way up from Springfield through Mount Pulaski and on up to Tremont and then on to Metamora. Metamora still has their courthouse standing now. Of course, then they'd make it over to Bloomington and the uh, 14 counties in the 18th Judicial Circuit. According to Rick, whenever Lincoln was in town, he liked to spend time in Tremont City Park. Lincoln would study his law cases there in the public square, and what is the park now, and then he would walk down James Street about six blocks to where the courthouse was, and he would try his cases there. And he walked or rode so much down that way that people in Tremont began referring to it as Lincoln Way. Two years ago, Rick and the History Museum successfully lobbied the village board to name the six-block stretch Lincoln Way. It's not officially called Lincoln Way. It's actually South James Street. But if you look at the street signs, there are blue Lincoln Way markers placed on top. So if you visit Tremont, you can actually follow the path Lincoln took between the park and courthouse. The courthouse, unfortunately, is no longer there. It was torn down in 1895. You can see original courthouse artifacts, such as some of the original bricks and a stained glass window, at the museum. Plus an old metal boot scraper. Perhaps Abraham Lincoln scraped his boots on it. You can't say for certain that he didn't. So Rick drives us to where the courthouse once stood. It's now a residential area. There's about four houses covering the original lot, and if there wasn't a historical marker there commemorating the spot, you'd never guess it was even there. The marker does note that Lincoln made his last appearance at the courthouse in 1858. So about that duel. It's a lesser known part of Lincoln lore, but Lincoln was actually challenged to a duel, and he accepted. This was back in 1842, and it happened at the Tremont Courthouse. James Shields was the state auditor, and he was siding with the Democrats when the Illinois State Bank went bankrupt. Lincoln, a member of the Whig Party, hated Shields' plan, and, under a pseudonym, wrote scathing letters about Shields to a local paper. Shields eventually found out Lincoln was behind the letters and challenged him to a duel. Because Lincoln was the one challenged to the duel, he got to choose the weapon. And he knew that if he chose a pistol, that he would probably die. So he chose broadswords, and he figured with his long arms and this <laughs> big sword, he would have the advantage. Because dueling was illegal in Illinois, probably still is, the duel had to be held on an island in the Mississippi River. Some people say that it was on Blood Island, an appropriate place to hold a duel, and some people say it was on Sunflower Island, a silly place to hold a duel. Whatever the island, the two parties met, stood on either side of a board, which they were not allowed to cross, and took up their sabers. And Lincoln reached up above Shields' head and he lopped off a big branch there. Shields' handlers were quick to say, uh, you're not going to win this, so we need to call it off. Of course, Lincoln didn't want to kill him. So it's sort of a duel. I mean, both parties took the time to travel all the way to this island, which was right outside of St. Louis. So it was a bit of a jog, especially if you're thinking the whole time that you're going to have to kill someone or be killed. But I guess you can say it all worked out in the end because... They became friends and actually uh, Shields served as a brigadier general in the Civil War under Lincoln's command. Well, there you go. Now, as to where Lincoln stayed when he was in town. Just a little out in the country, there's a, they called it the Red Brick House. Today we call it the Jones Menard House. And Lincoln stayed there most of the time when he was in in Tremont. And uh, from what I understand, when Lincoln went to Washington, he named Mr. Jones as his supervisor of statistics. Rick took us by the house. Built in 1842, it's a private residence now, but it still has the old stone horse hitches out front. And there is a rectangular block sticking up from the ground nearby. 
Rick informed me that it was an old boot scraper, the second one I've seen today. After you hitched your horse, you'd wipe the mud off your boots before heading up to the house. And, as far as anybody knows, it's the original stone, so Lincoln almost certainly wiped his boots on this scraper. From there, Rick drove us to Tremont City Park, where Lincoln used to hang out. It's a nice little city park right off Tiber Creek. It's got a pool, a baseball field, a playground. It has trees that date back to World War I, when they were planted to honor soldiers from Tremont who served in that war. It's also got a large veterans memorial. I was interested in this because Rick played a large part in getting that memorial built. Well, I was, yeah, so. I, I worked hard on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was one of the workers. Yeah, let me get my hand. The memorial is anchored by, well, a giant anchor, which seems fitting for Rick since he served in the Navy. He posed for some pictures, and with that, our tour was done. Rick looped us back toward Purdue's Grill, where we'd be sitting down for our interview. Hey, you might be stuck at home right now, and there's a pretty good chance you are, so keep in mind that at WNIJ, Northern Public Radio, we produce several podcasts. I'm kind of partial to drinking with Lincoln, for obvious reasons, but check out Teacher's Lounge, where WNIJ's Peter Medland gives you the latest education news and interviews unique and innovative teachers suggested by our audience. Sessions from Studio A showcases regional and touring musicians. The STEM Read Podcast interviews authors and scientists to explore the connections between STEM and storytelling. And our newest podcast series, Under Rocks, identifies the unexplored oddities and neglected anomalies in northern Illinois. You can find them at WNIJ.org, the free WNIJ mobile app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to Drinking with Lincoln. While visiting Tremont, it seemed appropriate to visit its most popular restaurant, Purdue's Grill. It's been 10 years since Tim and Tracy Purdue opened their restaurant in this historic building that used to be called the Columbia Opera House. Completed in 1899, it was where the town gathered for plays, concerts, graduation ceremonies, and formal balls. Now the town gathers for good food and good conversation. We were met there by nine-year-old Abby Kincaid, dressed in her long blue Grace Bedell dress with matching bonnet, and Abby's mother, Jessica, and little brother, Cooper. Jessica brought along photo albums of Abby as Grace Bedell, and she brought along some of the Lincoln memorabilia that Rick has gifted to her. He gives her one Lincoln-related item each time she appears with him as Grace. It might be anything from a Lincoln pop-up book to rocks collected near Lincoln's boyhood home in Hodgenville, Kentucky. So here's my interview with Abby Kincaid. I have been told that you love Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Okay, what got you interested in Abraham Lincoln? Um, well, in first grade, we had, oh, Mr. Odie, Abe Lincoln, came to our school and he did this presentation and he asked if any of us had any cats and a lot of us raised our hands and he picked me and he asked me how much cats I have and I said four and so he gave me this certificate and it said cat lover. You have four cats? What are their names? The oldest is Prim and Rue. Harry and Chandler. Mm, very cool. And so, what did you think about getting that cat award? Um, I, honestly, I was really proud of myself. So I was like, yay, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, did you start taking an interest in Abraham Lincoln then? Mm-hmm. Like, for my eighth birthday, um, we went to Springfield to, like, his home. And we, um, we went to the museum and we did that. What was your favorite part about Springfield? 
Um, my favorite part was when we went to um, when I got to touch his nose for good luck. Oh, you got to rub Lincoln's nose, yeah. Is that at the yeah at the tomb? Yeah. Did somebody have to hold you up to rub his nose? Um, there was like a little step, and I stepped on that. Ah, okay. Did you wear your costume at all while you were down there? Um, I don't think so, because my costume is really big, so when I walk, I have to hold it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, where did you first hear the story of Grace Bedell? I think... <laughs> I think in first grade, my teacher, like said something about her and I was like oh okay <laughs> and then he asked me if I wanted to be like in the the presentation, the presentation. stuff and I said yeah and so I learned about more about Grace Bedell when we did that so. okay Rick when did you first hear about Abby's interest in Grace Bedell well just a few weeks ago I asked Abby where her love for Lincoln came from and she told me the story she just related to you about uh, I had called her, uh, several people raised their hands that day, uh, they had cats, and I called her, I didn't know her, and then uh, when you're in second grade, I remember after my performance, Miss Messer Smith said, could you take a picture with this little girl, she loves Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> and I still didn't know you, but although we went to the same church, from what I understand, and then I just thought I'd write a little script about the story of Lincoln and Grace Bedell. And so I uh, called Jessica and asked if she thought Abby would be interested in playing the part of Grace Bedell. And she said, well, I don't know. She said, she's at youth group tonight at church. So I'll ask her. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a message at 8.02. <laughs> and she said, uh, Jessica said, well, I asked Abby. And Abby said, why did you think you even needed to ask me? Of course I want to play the part of Grace Bedell. Their first appearance together was at the Tremont Turkey Festival. And in case you're wondering, the Turkey Festival is Tremont's biggest annual event, attracting thousands of visitors to town. It's held every first weekend of June and is now in its 54th year. It started because Tremont used to have a big turkey farm outside of town. Turkeys were such big business in Tremont that the school sports teams are called the Tremont Turks. All the money from Turkey Fest goes to the Tremont Betterment Association. They funded a major expansion to the History Museum and paid for a large part of the Veterans Memorial in Tremont Park. Anyway... Rick attended the last three turkey festivals as Abraham Lincoln and also marched in the Turkey Fest Parade. And we we walked around the the grounds there. She was Grace Bedell, and we had a little card that we gave to people about the story of Grace Bedell. And uh, and I would introduce her to people that came up to one of the picture. I said, well, this is is my friend Grace Bedell. And Abby would tell the story of Grace Bedell. So we did educate a lot of people about Mm -hmm. the story of Grace Bedell. A lot of people don't know that story. So it was just a few weeks ago, actually, I learned where her love came from. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was pretty neat that it was someone that I had just randomly picked (laughs) out of a crowd of first graders. And here she is. uh, She's my Grace now. Uh You never know the impact you're going to have. Never know. Never know. I found out that last summer, Abby's family took a vacation to the East Coast and they made a special trip to Westfield, New York, the home of Grace Bedell. What does Westfield have to honor Grace Bedell? Do they have a statue there? Yes, they do. They have a statue of me and Abraham Lincoln, and I'm holding the roses that I had, and I was supposed to give it to him, but I forgot to because I was so in shock that he came to me, so I forgot to give him the roses. Okay. 
And for our listeners who might not know the story of Grace Bedell, can you tell us the story of Grace Bedell? Well, Grace Bedell is an 11-year-old girl, and she, um, she saw a picture of Abraham Lincoln, and she thought that he looked really great, but she thought that he would look even more great if he had some, like, whiskers, which is like a beard. And um, so she wrote a letter to Abraham Lincoln saying that, she thought that he would look a great deal better if he had if he had whiskers. And that note got to him and he replied and when he went to the train station to meet me, he actually did have whiskers. So, <laughs> so he stopped in Westfield, New York to show you that just, just he had taken you. your advice, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the skit we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she was a good encourager to the president. And so for your skit, do you actually do the moment where where you two meet for the first time? Mm-hmm. Okay. We do. The crowd parts and a little correspondent. I, I say, I have a little correspondent here. And they say, what's her name? They say, Grace Bedell. And here comes Grace. And we, we strike the pose of the mm-hmm. uh, statue and then we turn and bow. And mm-hmm. that's the end of our performance. Okay. Well, so I, I bet yeah. that is a big hit. So we take some well, pictures. And while we're doing that, a Lincoln fan approaches and asks for a picture with Rick. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. I was wondering if I could get a picture of you with Abe Lincoln. Absolutely. Grandkids, <laughs> oh. they're not going to believe it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All in a day's work for Abraham Lincoln. We say our goodbyes to Abby and her mom and little brother, and now it's time to sit down with Rick Odie and get to know the man behind the beard. Yeah, this is a big deal for me here. I'm I'm a newbie. I listened to the, I listened to all the podcasts. I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> Kevin especially. He's like he doesn't shut it off. He, <laughs> yeah, he never yeah. shuts it off. He's always Lincoln. There's a there's a guy. Uh, I think he's in he's in Nashville. I met him in October at the Lincoln Days in Hodgenville, Kentucky, the first weekend in October, and his name is Dennis Boggs, which is a great name. And he's done Lincoln for probably 30 years. And he, he's, he's great. He's good. You can mention anything, and he's mm-hmm. got a story to tell about it. It's like, yeah. <clears throat> he knows. He's very good. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so actually, you. on the ALP site, there's a, a video that Dennis made five years ago or so because there was a guy named John Mansfield mm-hmm. who he was kind of, Dennis was kind of wanting to get him involved in presenting Lincoln. So the whole video pretty much is about Dennis's involvement in helping John get ready for the Lincoln days in Hodgenville, Kentucky. And it turned out that year John won the lookalike contest. And uh, from what I understand, John has passed away now. I never did meet him. I just saw him on this video. But there's, there is a video on the ALP website that it's an actual documentary. Like that he had someone come and make for him so yeah he's he's very he's so good so i've learned tons just from it was nice being there in hodgenville mm-hmm. last october and uh, meeting guys who have done it for a lot much longer than me just kind of hearing their interaction with each other and, and stories and you know mm-hmm. a little bit well, it wasn't intimidating necessarily because i'm thinking okay just my fourth year and and i think from what i what I'm feeling is that I think Lincoln presenters, they, it's some of their own character in the way they present Lincoln. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not a funny guy. I, you know, I don't have a real outgoing nature like Dennis would have. And so I feel like I present Lincoln more from the presidential side rather than the funny, humorous side. And I, as more of the thinker or philosophical, mm-hmm. Lincoln more the subdued, hey, this is a serious deal, you know, this is a civil war, kind of, you know. So, so I, I kind of feel the, the Lincoln presenters I know, I can see that their personality is a part of their presentation. I mean, we were at a restaurant the night we got there at Hodgenville. I think there were about 13 of us Lincolns went out for dinner. And uh, So I can picture this correctly in my head. When a bunch of Lincolns go out to dinner, are you all dressed as Lincoln? We're all, we were all dressed. I uh, see. We were not that night. We weren't dressed as Lincoln. You know, we were all sitting there. Obviously, everybody's got a antebellum beard, you know, Lincoln beard. <laughs> okay. And uh, so we took some pictures with the staff there at the restaurant. It was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, that night we were not dressed as Lincoln. And, uh, you know, uh, Dennis was, I mean, he'd leave our table and go over and talk to other people. That's not me. I'm not going to, you know, like, that's just his nature. I mean, that's who he is. Right. Actually, Dennis, in that video, he was talking about getting ready. And he said, okay, now it's time for the mascara. So I thought, well, boy, I don't color my hair beard. I, I thought about it, but I'm thinking, okay, I'm 70 years old. I, I'm gray. So I spray my hair with root concealer. And then uh, I was spraying my beard. It was so messy. You couldn't touch it without getting it on your fingers and you get on your shirt. And so I started trying the mascara. And it works perfect. So you can touch it and it doesn't get on you. It washes out with the mm-hmm. shower. And so it's all, you know, it's good. I always uh, comment when I'm speaking to a large women's group that I've got more mascara on than all the women involved combined in that in that luncheon, you know. So uh, so it works good. My wife Marianne, she's good about checking me out and making sure I look presentable, you know. Did she help you pick the right mascara for your beard? Uh, no, I just go to Dollar General. And get it. It's just black, so I get the cheapest I can. It's three dollars for a tube. Now, Marianne, she is so supportive. We've been together for almost 46 years. And uh, Lincoln is my thing, and she's more than happy to go with me. And she's a good, I used to call her my critic. She didn't like that, so she's more my cheerleader. Uh, <laughs> although she does, you know, she does give good counsel. Afterwards, she'll say, okay, you, I know you meant to mention that, but you didn't do that, you know. Mm. Okay, well, I'll be mindful of that. And her name's Mary Ann, and from what I understand, Mary Lincoln's name was actually Mary Ann, Todd. So it's just kind of ironic. I'm presenting Lincoln, and I'm married to a Mary Ann. Does Mary Ann have any interest in portraying Mary Lincoln? Uh, that would be a no. <laughs> that would be a no. She's been asked that many times, and uh, she said, I have no desire. She's pretty laid back, and she would not, yeah, she would not want to do that <laughs> so but she goes and supports me have you ever done any work with a mary lincoln uh no i have not i don't know how that would be might be interesting to do sometime <laughs> I, like i say i'm just i'm going with the flow on this thing so yeah. i'm just putting my toe in the water a little yeah. bit at a time <laughs> you know well let's uh let's <clears throat> yeah. back up a bit so we're in tremont right now we're in tremont and this is your hometown this is my this is where i live now i grew up in east peoria okay but my wife and i marianne we moved here in february of 76 so we've been here a little over 44 years okay 
and uh, raised four children, and we have seven grandchildren that like to come and visit. We have four grandchildren in St. Louis and three in Peoria. What do your grandchildren think of having Lincoln as a grandpa? They, they think it's pretty cool on occasion. It's like, <laughs> I think they think it's pretty neat when they're around their friends. Like, I'll go to their school or something, you know, mm-hmm. and down the hallway, hey, that's my grandpa, you know. So it's kind of odd, kind of interesting, you mm-hmm. know. I think they, they have fun with it, you know, they think it's kind of neat. And I, I really do feel blessed to be able to do, uh, present Lincoln. I had some significant health issues pretty much all the way through 2017 and three times near, I was, they didn't call my family in, but I was dying. And so I, uh, I really, because I have the health to do it now, I, I really feel fortunate to, to be able to uh, present him now. And uh, <clears throat> I really started out, my, uh, one of my nieces teaches first grade in East Peoria, and she contacted me in, I think it was November of 2016, and asked me, said, hey, Uncle Rick, do you ever think about doing Lincoln? And I said, well, I've never told anybody about it. I thought about it, but never told anybody about it. She said, well, if you ever decide to do that, you could come to my class, you know, first grade class. So I thought about it, thought about it, and we were together at a Christmas, family Christmas thing at a dinner. And I was sitting there thinking, oh man, if you say something to her, you're committed, you know? <laughs> and so, so I sat there for quite a while, and I finally said, Erica, I think, you know, I think I'm gonna try that. So uh, that was December 2016, and then my health fell apart right after that. January 2017 and I wasn't able to go physically but my daughter from Knoxville Tennessee came up for about 10 days to help my wife take care of me and and one night I was feeling all bummed out I was oh man I've practiced this I can't do it now and so she suggested just videoing it and putting it up online and, and any teacher could download it so the first year that's what we did and I don't go back and look at that one because it's just too <laughs> too rough, you know, too rough. Yeah. And so uh, the first year we actually did it online, and then uh, by October, November of 2017, my health had gotten back. And so, so really, uh, 2018 and 2019 are the years that I've physically been able to go out and present Lincoln. You mentioned to me on the phone that you feel like when you put on the outfit that sort of a a change comes over you. Yeah, there's a, I can sense just as I'm coloring my hair and my beard and and putting on the the outfit, I just feel a real responsibility to portray this great man correctly. And in all my research and everything, I try to be correct in my information that I give out. If there's something that I that I find at some point, okay, that wasn't totally correct, then I change it, you know. And so I want to present him in a style that I think he he would demand, you know. It's present me right. And I, I even find not dressed as Lincoln, just as myself, but people know that I present Lincoln, I feel, I feel a real responsibility personally to, okay, they know I present Lincoln. And right. so I want to present myself well. I, I know it seems like everyone likes Lincoln, and I believe that's because I think there was a little bit of everyone in Lincoln. He battled everything that anybody here battles, you know, I know depression was a big part of Lincoln's life growing up and 
and in adulthood too. So I worked with a psychologist over in Peoria named Dr. Steve Hammond. I had written a uh, talk about Lincoln's depression, called it Lincoln's Melancholy. I presented it to him. His first comment was, you're very forward thinking in this. Hmm. And so I did run that by a couple of Lincoln presenters and they both, you know, it's like when you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you're talking to the backside of their head, <laughs> like, okay, what happened? I said yeah. something that, you know, mm-hmm. and so I took from that that they didn't think I should pursue that, but I, I have done that and I've presented that talk uh, two or three times now. And I think depression is a part of our society. I mean, it's, it's almost epidemic. My wife and I lost a son 19 years ago at 21 years of age from depression. And uh, so I kind of feel a responsibility to Brian to kind of mix the two of them, Lincoln's depression and my son's depression, and hopefully, hopefully help someone through, uh, through this great man that came from the backwoods of Kentucky and grew up to be president of the United States and, mm-hmm. and, and struggled with this depression all his life. Right. I think it's a story that needs to be told. And with the whole Lincoln presenting, I'm going with the flow anyway. So wherever it leads, that's mm-hmm. where I'm going to go. So if the uh, Lincoln's melancholy is accepted, then I'll continue to do it. You know, I, I feel a responsibility to do that. Well, just like you're bringing Grace Fidel around with you, you know, right, you're, right. you're taking a unique approach to, to Lincoln that a lot yeah. of people aren't, aren't yeah. really tackling. Yeah, and like I say, if it, if it goes somewhere, it goes, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, you know. I'm, your wife I'm will just, tell you. Yeah, Marianne will say, that well, didn't go that way. <laughs> Very good. You have a connection to Lincoln in that he was a veteran. Correct. Uh-huh. He fought in the Black Hawk War. He blot, yeah, fought and in the you were also a veteran. I was in the United States Navy from 68, October 68 to May of 71. Okay. And uh, I went over Vietnam in May of 70 and served there all of that year on a destroyer. And uh, and I'm, I'm proud of my service. I'm glad I went. I was ready to get out as soon as my time came. <laughs> I was. But I'm glad I'm a veteran. And uh, we have a group of about 14 or 15 of us. Every Thursday morning, we go over here mm-hmm. to the grade school and uh, at 7.30, and we fist bump the kids mm-hmm. as they come off the bus and into the classrooms. <laughs> and, uh, and we've done that for, this is our third year doing this, almost the end of our third year. And so uh, it's been good for the guys to, because uh, we're all, pretty much all of us are Vietnam vets. And, and you know, I mean, the welcome home wasn't the, wasn't the greatest when we came home. So yeah. it is good for all of us to, you know, Maybe hopefully get over that a little bit. Can you walk me through your path to the military from growing up in Peoria to uh, going well, to the military? Well, I, I grew up in East Peoria. My father worked at Caterpillar, had five little boys, and my mother never worked. So my father was working all he could to mm-hmm. raise five little boys. And my father had been in the United States Navy in World War II. He was a first-class motor machinist mate. And he was on board the USS Hornet the day that Jimmy Doolittle and the Raiders uh, took off to bomb Japan. So he'd been in the Navy. I had an older brother that had been in the Army. One was in the Navy. And I just really felt like this is what you do. You just, I didn't even think. I just volunteer and go. And so I volunteered for the Navy and, you know, 
you grow up quick. But, you know, I was a lot of places in the world that I never would have been if I had stayed in East Peoria and Hong Kong and, and Taiwan and Philippines. And you know, we patrolled up and down the coast of Vietnam for the whole time I was over there. And then I got out and uh, met my wife in June of 73. And we were married in June of 74. And what did you do when you came back? Uh, well, I, I had worked at Caterpillar before I went in the Navy. And so the time I was gone to the Navy, my time kept going at Caterpillar. My seniority kept going. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to Caterpillar in Morton and worked there for 30 years. And I got figuring up what they'd pay me not to even come in. And thought, <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave. Mm -hmm. So I retired at 50 years old and uh, it's been good. So it seems like you've kind of always had a little bit of a history bug. When did that start? Well, for one thing, I wasn't a good student <laughs> in grade school or high school for that matter. And actually, my grade school teachers, there's not a one of them that if they saw me performing, would ever believe it. I, I, was, I was that little kid that was in every class probably that when they got up in front of the class, they just stood there and, and pretty soon they'd start crying. Mm -hmm. And that was me. And so... <laughs> So I really have gotten interested in history not all that long ago. Now I read all I can, you know, and I recently purchased a book called uh, Lincoln's Yarns and Laughs, I think it's called, written by a man named Colonel Alexander McClure, who was a friend of Lincoln's. I mean, these are, mm -hmm. these are stories that this guy that knew Lincoln is relating, and so I, I really enjoyed those, trying to put several of the stories to memory. and. I'd like to get like some of the Lincoln presenters are. They can, you can just mention something and, and a story pops <laughs> in their head, you know. Of course, that's dangerous too because I've caught myself out with friends or something and one of them will say something that reminds me of a story. I, I caught myself that, okay, don't go there. Just, you know, all right, they've heard enough. They're getting you, you tired. You can't be Lincoln all the time. No, 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 no. You can't, you can't do that to them. And <clears throat> so, uh, but I am thankful that the story at least comes to my mind. I use some of that when I go out to the Greater Peoria Honor Flights. Kind of, I get out there usually about an hour and a half before the plane lands, and uh, I call it work in the crowd and just kind of taking pictures, talking to kids and adults, so I can recall some of the stories and little funny stories that I relate to them. I do have a, it might be unique to me, I'm not sure if I know another Lincoln presenter doing it, but I know some give out pennies, well, what I do is I, I purchase pennies directly from the mint. They're bicentennial pennies, so they cost a little more than one penny. And so I get them, and right from the mint, so no one's touched them. So I usually, after a child says, hey, can we take a picture? I'll say, well, before you run off, can I give you a special coin? And they say, well, sure, you know. So I put it in my hand, and, and it's nice and shiny. And I explain to them, it's brand new. No one has touched this. It's special because no one has touched it except for me. And uh, it comes from the mint, and if they're young enough, I explain what that means, and, and I say, would you like it? Of course they do. Mm -hmm. And so I put it in their hand and fold their fingers over the, over the penny. I said, now it's extra special because you and I are the only two people in the whole wide world that's touched that particular coin. <laughs> and their eyes light up like I gave them a million dollars. I had one little boy, probably second grade, he asked me one day, he said, well, uh, how much is it worth? And I said, well, it's, it's worth a penny. You know, it's still just <laughs> worth a penny. And uh, I turned 70 last November. 
and my son and his family in St. Louis came up and they gave me a real nice zippered pouch, leather zippered pouch. And so I unzipped that and took an envelope out. And for my 70th birthday, they had 70 brand new $5 bills right from the mint. No one's touched them. Mm -hmm. He got them from the bank in St. Louis, gave him instructions. Nobody's to touch these. And so I, I peeled off the first seven and gave to my grandchildren. And then the next one went to Abby and gave that to her, <laughs> went to her house and told her how special it is. I said, mm -hmm. you and I are the only two people that have, that have uh, touched that $5 bill. So, yeah. and of course she lit up. Unique, great uh, you mentioned the honor flights. How did you get involved yeah. with this? Well, the first honor flight I heard about was in Springfield, and my sister-in-law's father was on that flight. We'd never heard of an honor flight, but we went down there at Springfield, Illinois, for the homecoming, mm -hmm. and uh, it was great. We hadn't even got back to Tremont, and my wife says, you're going to want to go as a guardian, aren't you? I said, <laughs> I'm already thinking about it. And Can you so, explain to me exactly what a guardian is, what their role oh, is? Oh, a guardian uh, a guardian is responsible for that veteran okay. all day long. They carry a backpack. They carry anything that veteran might need in their backpack. There are veterans who are wheelchair-bound, and they take them, and uh, they, they're responsible for that veteran for the, the whole day. Okay. So I went in 2010 and 2012 as a guardian out of the Springfield honor flight. So I was a guardian for two brothers, World War II brothers on the first one and two Korea War brothers on the second one. And then in 2015, the Greater Peoria honor flight began. So we went out there for the homecomings. And then when I started doing Lincoln, I just asked them, you know, hey, would you be interested in me coming out? You know, I said, well, that'd be great, you know. Mm -hmm. So I did September and October in 2018. Then I did the four in 2019. And then was planning to do April 28th this year. And then May 28th, I was gonna go out as Lincoln out to Washington DC on the honor flight and do some presenting out there at the different memorials. And uh, with the coronavirus, you know, with everyone is 70 or more. Right. And the handshaking, the hugging and all yeah. that. So they decided to postpone those until September 24th and October 13th. But the next flight will actually be going out September 8th. That one's already planned and they haven't postponed that one. Okay. I imagine those are all pretty hard to coordinate too because everything oh. is volunteer, right? I mean, oh, it is. Yeah, everybody's, everybody's donating volunteer. their time. So. Yeah. Everybody, all the money coming in is volunteer. The guardians pay uh, to go. They pay $500 to go and uh, that the veteran goes free. It's a real early morning, about 3.30 in the morning, we get out to the airport start getting everything lined up just as myself, just as Rick. Then uh, the flight usually leaves around six or so. And then, uh, then I come home and uh, usually take a nap in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then uh, about eight o'clock or so, I'll get dressed as Lincoln and go back out. Flight lands about 9.30, so about eight o'clock I'm out there and just taking pictures, just kind of entertaining. There's a couple thousand people out there, so mm -hmm. there's plenty of time to take pictures and just uh, visit with people and and then after the plane does arrive I go to the uh, where they come through security into the uh, terminal so President Lincoln is the first one to greet the veteran when they come through 
Mm -hmm. And uh, they always kind of want me to spend a little time with them because they want some space between the veterans. So each veteran gets their own so they don't get bunched up together. Right. So I kind of, you know, so how was your day out there? Did, you know, mm -hmm. and invariably they'll say, well, I just saw you out there in Washington, D.C. <laughs> you were sitting down in a chair. <laughs> you know? I said, well, I, I beat you back, you know, yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> so if it turns out that I'm able to go present Lincoln out there on an honor flight that's going to be a great thrill especially yeah. going to the, the uh, Lincoln Memorial you know and you said uh, Grace sometimes <clears throat> goes with you to the honor flights uh, Grace yeah yeah or, uh, well, Abby. Uh, uh, Abby, <laughs> Abby yeah Abby uh, she's she's never gone she was gonna go on uh, April 28th she okay. was gonna go out there with me and uh, we were gonna do just pretty much what we do at the turkey festival in June here in mm -hmm. Tremont just kind of wander the crowd and, and uh, Grace, uh, Abby, <laughs> Abby, 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 Grace. Abby, Grace, <laughs> Abby Grace is really good about presenting the story of Grace Bedell. And, yeah. and so uh, that will be uh, the next honor flight that she can go to. That'll be her first. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a real late night. I mean, it can be 1030 or 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so it'll be a late night for her, but uh, she's always open to anything I throw at her. So she's, <laughs> she scares me sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> she's so brave. <laughs> But uh, she'll do great at it. That'll be really neat. Yeah. Really neat. This is off topic of Lincoln, but yeah. when we were talking on the phone the other day, you were telling me about your friend Larry the Flag Man. Yeah, yeah. And, Larry. Uh, mm -hmm. I know that's a difficult story, but yeah, would Larry. you be willing sure. to talk about him a little bit? Sure, sure. His name is Larry Eckert, and he lives in Little York, Illinois, which is just north of Monmouth, about seven or eight miles. And he started in 2005, I think it was. He went to a veteran's funeral. Mm -hmm. And he looked around and he didn't see very many flags. So he went out and bought 50 flags. And then he bought 50 more flags. And he started going around to the funerals of fallen veterans. And he does a flag line. He's got 3,000 flags now. And so he's been to 14 states in the Midwest. And he, he really values the volunteers. He knows it. there's no way he can put 3,000 flags up. So the volunteers in town show up put the flags up and after the funeral they take them all down put them back in Larry's trailer and truck and and then he goes wherever he does it all mm -hmm. on his own dime there's people give him 10 or 20 dollars on occasion you know or mm -hmm. fill his gas tank up something like that mm -hmm. and uh, one thing about Larry is the family has to request him to come he, he won't just show up with his flags so he respects the family that way he's not just going to show up mm -hmm. but he uh, has he developed throat cancer uh, and I think the last year he's uh, been challenged with that and uh, <clears throat> started hospice. So he's in hospice care. There's a company in Galesburg that's providing his hospice care. And he's, uh, I was able to go up a week ago yesterday and uh, I went up as Lincoln and I uh, made a certificate naming him uh, America's flag man, mm -hmm. and I presented that to him, put the presidential seal and the A. Lincoln on there and everything, and uh, visited with him there, and I was able to take with me the father of a Marine from Tremont who died in December of 18. He was one of the five Marines who died in the uh, refueling training accident over the Sea of Japan. His name was Daniel E. Baker, and so I was able to take his father, Dwayne, with me, uh, we both lost a son, so we had that connection, and uh, 
and it was good to get to know Dwayne and Dwayne having one-on-one -on -one time with Larry, who had come to Tremont in December 2018 when uh, Daniel Baker, we lost Daniel Baker, uh, Tremont Marine. So uh, Larry is, uh, uh, he's, he's, he doesn't have any more days, but, but it, it impresses me with Larry is the fact that it's just the idea that one person can have an idea and if they're obedient to that, you know, if it's God directing them or providence or whatever, they were obedient to that, that thought and said, you know, there's not enough flags, so I'm going to do something about it. And that's what impresses me most about Larry is just the fact that here's one individual that had an idea and ran with it and other people caught the passion. And Larry is very much forward with the fact that it's not about him, it's about the flags. So when he's no longer, and he can no longer put them up, and there will be people that drive to Little York and pick the trailer up and, and put the flags out, you know. <laughs> so to me, that's the sign of a true leader, someone who can lead something and at the same time draw other people into that passion to mm -hmm. where when they're no longer able to do it, it doesn't die with them. They, they build something that's bigger than themselves and that when they're gone, they can't it's not important that they're here, you know, because it's not about them. So uh, he, he's a pretty impressive guy. So he'll be missed. He'll be really missed. Hmm. Yeah. What have you got planned for your future as Lincoln? What do you hope to hmm. accomplish with him? You know, I don't know what the future holds for Lincoln <laughs> and me, you know. Mm -hmm. I, but I'm, I've done some things that I never would never dream I would mm -hmm. do, you know. And... Uh, I really do feel like this is an adventure I'm on and where it leads, that's where I'm gonna go. And uh, I'm gonna learn as much as I can, you know. And I met just really just lovely people, just nice people. And of course, Abby is, she's special, just that she's she's on board now. And, and so I, I don't know where it'll go next. I'm just along for the ride and going with the flow. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for meeting with us today. Oh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It's an and, honor to... And well, I was uh, going to say, thank you for your service and all well, that you do for everyone else who has served. Well, I hope I, hope I, can, uh, I, hope I can be like Larry. Uh, whatever I build, I hope I can pass it off to somebody else. And, mm -hmm. and that it, you know, the things that I'm involved in will, uh, will go on. Mm -hmm. you know? Exactly. Well, so, here's right. to drinking with Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Clint. Appreciate it. Abraham Lincoln. A quick update. You remember how Rick mentioned that he and several veterans would go down to Tremont Elementary School every Thursday and fist bump the kids as they got off the bus? Well, the school closings across the state put an end to that, but the first Thursday the schools were closed, Rick announced that he and his veteran buddies were going down there anyway. Parents drove their kids up so the veterans could give them virtual fist bumps. And by that, I mean the kids left their windows up and pressed their fists against the glass. It was done in a safe and hygienically responsible way, and when I read about it, I thought it sounded just like something Rick would do. Thank you for listening to the Drinking with Lincoln podcast, and thanks to Rick Odie for having such a flexible schedule and giving us a tour of his hometown. Abby Kincaid for sharing the story of Grace Bedell, Jessica Kincaid for swooping Abby up after school to come and meet us. I'd also like to thank our sound engineer, Spencer Tripp. 
This show was produced by WNIJ, Northern Public Radio. Our theme music was provided by Mannequin Torso. You can check out their music and other music from regional and touring bands on another WNIJ show, Sessions from Studio A. I'll drop a link in the show notes, which you can find at WNIJ.org. I'll also link to other information on the people and places we explored in today's episode. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, the NPR One app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And consider leaving us a review. And if there are any Lincoln topics you'd like us to cover, or Lincoln presenters you'd like us to interview, drop us a line at lincoln at niu.edu. Thanks. minutes 10 minutes till 11 went there and I, who did I see walking across the parking lot but Abraham Lincoln uh, <laughs> wait a minute I'm supposed to be here and of course everybody's like who's this guy in his long coat you know and it turned out they had a band there and the band leader had invited his friend from Alton who is mm-hmm. a Lincoln presenter but he hadn't told the organizer uh. So I learned from that, you go where you're invited, not where you're not invited. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you challenged him to a duel. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that would've been a good story, wouldn't it? The farther you fall, the farther you fall. Yeah.